Weird Things is brought to you by patreon.com slash weird things. Support the show. Hello and welcome to the Weird Things podcast. I'm Andrew Mean, joined by Justin Robert Young. Hello. Brian Brushwood. Happy James Webb Space Telescope arrives at Lagrange Point today. Final destination. And Mr. Bryce Castillo. Oh, I don't observe that. I observe it on Monday, on <laughs> yeah. Fridays. I observe it on the Friday before the Monday. Yeah, I actually. Yeah, it's the Canadian version of the holiday. <laughs> see, see, yeah. So as uh, Brian said, James Webb Space Telescope has finally reached its orbital position where it's going to be unlocking the mysteries of the universe, you know, show us where Asgard is, you know, uh, the Titan that Thanos is from, um, and a bunch of other really cool things I'm looking for in science. Um, when are we going to get these, yeah. these snaps? When's going to start snapping? Oh, it's it's going to be months. It's going to be months, and and they have to calibrate it, uh, especially yeah. because uh, the social team uh, at NASA has gotten so good at their game. Uh, the uh, I, I guarantee you that they're smart enough to um, whatever they release will will look sufficiently dazzling or be placed into a sufficiently important context where they're able to compare it to. Hubble be like this, James. Yeah, be like this. That's fine. I, I when? you a telescope. Show me the this. pictures, you I, weird I, telescope. My telescope looks I, like this, so her telescope. I don't look know like that this. because of the number of industry and other governmental partners involved in that. I have a feeling the first photo where we say, "Hey, here's the really blurry photo." They're probably debating that. That's the calibration thing, just because it's like. This is this is like there's like all the different agencies and organizations with it. I think if one person could kind of control it, you know, they could be like. No, you know, we, yeah, we've got to blow, we've got to blow them away. But like, there are all these other, you know, well, we need to look and, at the calibration data. And, and if, if that is the case, I think they've gotten, uh, as they say, ahead of the narrative enough that, that it's not going to be, we're all like, oh, what is this? You need to send up astronauts to fix it. Don't kill Sandra Bullock again. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. <laughs> I just... I don't know. I, I wah, wah, look, we paid twenty billion for this. I mean, <laughs> My I kid could have done this. I mean, they've they've done a pretty fair job of explaining just how many uh, 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 sub elements need to be individually focused and calibrated. But 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 then again, I'm clearly paying attention to it. Uh, I I bet someone out there didn't even know today was. James Webb telescope arrives at Lagrange Point too. Yeah, I know some idiot, some big dumb idiot didn't know that. <laughs> We're all laughing for the same reason. <laughs> uh, they're just off screen. Oh man, uh, idiots, all of them. Uh, right, yeah. right. Yeah, people who definitely knew that. Same people. We're all this. We're all in the same club. <laughs> Screw the people outside of it. Am I right? <laughs> Uh, from the Planetary Society, they had an article by Heidi Hamel Hamel on uh, back in December uh, a month ago on December twenty second. Headline: Why will it take six months to see James Webb Space Telescope's first science images? So they talked to NASA to explain, like, it's you know, funding, baby, funding. Boy, I I really have discovered uh, watching this story how uncomfortable I am with the use of science as just a of generic noun 
or or a, or as a a a, a, plur, or a, a, a proper noun. Where this is this like, is this this is the line the well, line for no, you. No, no 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 no. I mean, it's like uh, 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 it hasn't been rubbed in my face recently. Gotcha. We've had you know uh, in this house we believe in science so long as science means ivermectin or science means masks or science you know like yeah. but but but. To hear, to hear NPR and, and, and mainstream outlets of all varieties say, finally, it's going to go out there with a giant ice cream scooper and scoop up all the science. We're finally going to get some of that science that we've been looking for. Yeah. I sent Bryce a graphic. Here we go. This is sort of a timeline of all the... <laughs> it's, listen, uh, Brian, I wish we had, you know, Mr. Space Telescope CEO who got to decide what to do, but this is what we're getting. Yeah, uh, we're seeing we're seeing a very exciting multi-instrument forces adjustments continues. Multi-instruments activity complete. Telegram complete. About half a Begin year. moving target tracking tests. Uh, of course, about a month later, Miri's spectroscopy. Uh, begin moving target. There's a lot of verified. To be honest, very, very even these uncalibrated images that are simulated uh, look pretty cool. So I, I rescind my argument, and I actually think they they will release like some raw. Right here, yeah. here's a here's how crazy stuff looks uncalibrated. Uh, so it's super exciting. Uh, the chances, the 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 fear that James Webb Space Telescope would one ever launch two make it into orbit or make it out to where it is now. There were so many risk factors involved and it is uh, hats off to the team and everybody who worked on this. We, you know, we often are very critical of NASA as he should be of any, you know, any organization that scale um, and praise when they do good work. And so far, again, we haven't any images yet, images yet, but getting it to that point, that is no small achievement. That is incredible amazing piece of technology and amazing so far i'm excited yeah i i like it i think it's good i like it Thumbs when, up. i like it when uh uh directors other than robert rodriguez are running it <laughs> jesus uh <laughs> i did not particularly notice a difference uh oh. let's yeah, let's not. Hey, guys, guys, come on. Hey, guys, look. What are you trying to do? Rule with respect, what Justin? We, what are we trying to do here? Right? Uh, uh, I thought we were talking about the James Webb Space Telescope. I'm going to tell you. Do you, you know what's. I, can we just turn this into complaining about things? Be complaining about art? <laughs> can we turn it into the Art Critics Corner Hour? Because I, I'm here for all of it. I'm just trying to be the good sport and move things along. I'm going to take the positive note. Okay. You know, you know, like you ever meet that person that like, uh, even when they fail, they're successful, you know, like, uh, I didn't, uh, you know, I get shows for quarterback and you know, I'm going to be, you know, halfback or this, but then I didn't get away. They, they always, something turns out right. Like sure. even they're just like, they've that, now uh, they own a, a fleet of used car dealerships or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't buy Apple what I should have. I dumped it all into Google, which the peak was different. You're like, wait, what? You know, yeah. you're like, what do you mean? And you're like, uh, or missed somebody out who just on Bitcoin. I had to settle for Ethereum. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, right now, um, uh, I got like, I don't, I'm not convinced. I mean, I, I'm kind of convinced we're in a simulation. I mean, I, I kind of <laughs> think the evidence leads to we're a simulation. That was and just I the right amount of hard left turn. I mean, <laughs> I'm fully I, engaged. I, I kind of think I know who the winners are in the simulation. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
so you're Elon Musk. Sure. You go from, you know, you make a bunch with Zip2, and then you go create X.com and merge with PayPal, and you make your money from there. And then you create, oh, I'm going to create like the greatest electric car company there is. Oh, I'm yeah. the richest man in the world. Oh, I'm going to I'm gonna create a space company. Oh, I'm going to date like, you know, famous Hollywood model, you know, actress models and all that stuff. Oh, I'm going to launch my Falcon rocket and push a satellite into space. Oh, my upper stage is accidentally going to hit the moon. Wait, did that happen? It's going to happen in March. The upper stage that was used to launch the NOAA uh, satellite is going to hit the moon. Apparently, the trajectory was just to put it right on there. It may be the first accidental thing to ever land on the moon. Oh, that's awesome. Damn. Do you get like a fine for that? Like <laughs> space littering? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, if anything, like it would be litter while it's still in orbit. Like, uh, in fact, he should be given like the Boy Scouts of America should give him a a a a, a, a pitch in litter badge or something. I don't know, man. The, the moon side, might be pissed off. Yeah, it was. Like, it's hit the dark side. They but research wise, they'll be able to see what happens with the impact. But I'm like, when your misses hit the moon, and it wasn't even a miss. It was just like, oh yeah, and we. have you know, the upper stage is yeah. going to lead Oopsie up. poopsie, we're hitting the moon. <laughs> you know that cliche, aim for the stars? If you miss, you'll at least get to the moon? Yeah. He literally, <laughs> he literally did. <laughs> People are going to get pissed about this, right? This feels like a a, a ready-made people are going to get pissed for no reason. People are going to get pissed at people who are cheering for the fact that this happened. Like, uh, this is great because you, uh, you can we can now predict down to the day when a set of news stories are going to happen and when, minutes later, a backlash against... Because that, this is too good of a happen. story yeah. to not get press. Right. Elon Musk litters on the moon, right. or Elon Musk <laughs> runs his rocket into the moon. Also, is, goes is to going moon. to be Elon Musk lands on the moon. So, so it plays either way, either as oh, a it's not going to play positively. Uh, oh no, no, no! You can write the article either way. Yes, people yes, who share you the could, story. Yes, you like, could write, write, write the article either way, but like uh, that is that not how I believe the the press will be written. I, I think that this is far more something that will be seized on considering for whatever reason elon musk is the bellwether of the the culture war and for whatever reason people need to take these blood in the mouth takes on on one side or the other there's no way that this does not land on the screw elon musk side because I, I don't think anybody is going to on the pro Elon Musk side is going to be like, finally, we'll show the moon who's boss. Oh no, no, no! We I, stand, I, I, Elon. I, I, I like, think, I, I think what you're going to get is, uh, uh, wait, does this mean that Elon gets to claim the dark side of the moon for his own? Uh, or, or now, I guess there has been probes. There have been probes. Yeah, have yeah, they've done. They've done. We've actually impacted rocket stages against the moon because, like, what happens is we've got we've got the Chandeska orbiter going around the moon, and I think maybe a couple other. And so, what is cool is that if it may offer an opportunity to basically Chandrayaan, sorry, it'll offer us the opportunity to see what debris get kicked up, the you know, the selenology yeah. of the moon. So that's what's exciting is that actually there's going to be could be some good science that comes out of it. Yeah, the the. the... Uh, this this will be similar to the L cross mission per uh, uh, the Project Pluto website, um, and so there will actually be some amount of value for this happening. Uh, they say, "quote In essence, this is a free L cross, except we probably won't see the impact because it's on the far side of the moon." 
the L cross was uh, exciting because they they were like uh, this thing was going to go down anyway, but they had just enough juice to direct it towards one of the poles, and they were hoping that with a spectro spectroscopy they would be able to figure out you know how much water. Mm -hmm was kicked up uh, it, it apparently didn't yield as much and without it we wouldn't have gotten to the m cross i don't know what it's a dumb joke it, it's the sequel to m l comes cross. m comes after l i know but that was the joke what's m cross though it doesn't it's exist. the next letter yeah oh. it's just the next letter i got it's it. only one joke okay. yeah it's, okay. it's a joke about the alphabet uh, okay so. <laughs> no i thought um, okay. yeah. um, m cross sounds like like an anime that i was supposed to know oh that, that like oh it Brett, does sound like macross actually you know what it sounds like macross which is an anime <laughs> okay, oh. yeah it's macross which is in west virginia and there's m cross which is a database of bindings and cross links and stuff so <laughs> I stand. I just like a gun. I stand. Uh, uh, and Matt Cross. <laughs> Min May. Rick. Min May. I stand more correct. I, yeah. Mm. I stand fully correct. Turns out I am a also, man of letters. Literally. Also, a profile for a guy on Board Game Geeks who is a chemistry professor at Snow College. So there you go. Boom. Boom. It's just so above our head, Brian. We just did. He works at a level that exactly. we just. <laughs> just <laughs> yeah, I just feel like we saw five, the equivalent five, of landing a chess. bit of one of your rockets on the moon accidentally <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and being able to act like you meant People to People are going to go back and study that joke. <laughs> it's too good. You want to know what well, else like is too good? The bargain at patreon.com slash weird things. Uh, 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 true story. Fun fact, yeah. uh, we, we went to a sports bar and somebody was like, I love that site. And, yes. And we were like, what are you talking about? And then they pointed at Justin and then it's like, well, he. Oh, he's got a Patreon hoodie. I've got a Patreon hoodie. Wow. And uh, the lady was like, I give money to uh, a, a podcast that I really, really enjoy uh, on Patreon. And, and we had a, a nice conversation about how much it's a little money. Uh, uh, that you probably is going to come out in the wash in your monthly expenditures. You're never going to notice. Probably never going to think twice about it. You're just going to know that it is. it feels good that you are supporting uh, uh, independent creators. And I'll tell you what, uh, from this side of being an independent creator, it means the world. The world to be able to clear your schedule and more than you would otherwise to create this kind of content. We show up each and every week, friends, and we make this thing for you. And if you enjoy it, on a level that you believe deserves financial uh, support, then you can head on over to patreon.com slash weird things and support us. You get the after things podcast before anybody else. That's where you get the kind of real behind the scenes inside sauce about how to be an independent That's where we creator. get real. None of this fake talk about James Webb telescopes landing at Lagrange point too. No, no, we get real. We real. talk about the hard stuff. We start talking about we we move away from the fiction of the James Webb <laughs> Space Telescope and move, and move to into the real fact of how you could be an independent creative. Exactly. Your you can launch launch your own James Webb Space Telescope. Yeah. Rise and grind, kings. Yeah. If you go to patreon.com slash weird. Lanch it up. And if you if you know, one thing that doesn't get talked about a lot with Patreon is if you want email notifications, oh. you can get them. With Patreon, so it's a good way to know that things are coming out. I, I do mean, that. Always. I do that with Andrew Heaton's podcast. That's how I know that it's coming out. Yeah, because it sends me an email. Patreon.com/slash/weirdthings. Gentlemen, we need your help. <gasps> oh, thank goodness! My my gracious, my good gracious! Let's go.
Well, there's been an accident on the highway. Good and, Lord. Uh, a hundred of our prisoners are loose. No, oh, not the prisoners. A hundred of our I'm prisoners. Gonna, I'm going to recuse myself. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, them, them, them prisoners, they're, they're, they're all over the place. And these are madmen. All right. All apparently the only person who hasn't read this story. So <laughs> I guess it's up to me by myself. Uh, 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 am I a police officer? Who am I? Uh, we'll just cut to the chase. Oh. 100 monkeys got loose. No! <laughs> medical monkeys got loose. Medical so monkeys? Does that mean they're nurses? What does that mean? They were intended to go to a research facility. They were going to go to school they, to be. But they crashed. And so, and so now, congratulations, uh, Pennsylvania. You have a new invasive species of monkey. Uh, running around crazy. Can I point out the Chiron that we are seeing on screen? Final escape monkey captured. Oh, they oh they did get them all. All recaptured except one. This is the worst but- version of Pokemon ever. <laughs> no, except for one, which except is obviously the protagonist of this Pixar movie. Hopefully, she's pregnant. Do you remember, like, what was it? Outbreak and Dustin Hoffman showing the photo of the monkey and like we need to find this monkey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just wish it could have been cool. Like if like they're like they just got Dustin Hoffman, an actor who actually played a scientist trying <laughs> to track down a monkey, is here to talk about it. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> he goes into the wrong routine. He's doing Rain Man. <laughs> we, we had a uh, uh, an incident in a. Uh, uh, South Florida, I think we mentioned about before, where we had a bunch of oh my god, this the scene of the accident, monkey food. The lower third says final escaped monkey captured. Subheading all recaptured except one. Does Wait, that mean it died? Does that mean pick, what does that pick, mean? Pick pick a lane. <laughs> How is it final? If you, there's one Did more you, out there, I guess they picked all. Go one. back to the photo fo- the photo of the monkey food on the highway. <laughs> monkey chow. Laboratory diet. animal diet. It's Lab. this big bag, this laboratory, and these biscuits. It's sad. Well, but I mean, if you're selling to labs, you can't be like uh, happy paw. Like, like you, you probably have to have a. Like, it's gonna the sell better. The monkeys see the bag. They see the bag. Put some like colors on it in a coloring book or something. That's not gonna look good in a purchase order. You know, like like you need you need. I need official chat. These are serious people. With I need serious. A- Money bureaucrat bits. Be- yes, it should be called bureau bits. Required yeah, yeah. food for you. The standard <laughs> food. Standard unit food time. It's normal. This is why the food. apes took over after they're put in the laboratory <laughs> in Planet of the Apes. <laughs> if they could act, they could make these monkeys act. And imagine what I could do. <laughs> Still, my favorite line. Yeah, man. All right. So, so they, so do we, do we know one, one died or, or is it still on the loose? I don't have that information. At this we moment. don't have it. I mean, all things. Being if equal, you are that I'm, monkey, I'm, please email the show. His <laughs> name was Momo. <laughs> CNN says all monkeys accounted for, Ooh. which doesn't sound like all monkeys caught. It sounds like <laughs> some monkeys right. in a box. All right. All right. Brian, <laughs> yeah. Justin. Yeah. You're the drivers of this truck. Okay. Okay. Yep. And you take turns playing Hearthstone. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yep. And uh, I want you to reenact one how this happened and two your reaction to what okay. happened. Okay. All right. Uh, look. Uh, you uh, get the I, wheel. I'm only three away from Legend. It's my turn. Uh, so we're gonna do the 
the hot swap here. Don't worry about these icy roads. We're pretty much going straight. Okay. On three. Ready? One, one two, two, three. three. Switch. Go. Switch places. Uh, oh, oh, all right. All right. Yeah. All right. Here we go. I got I got my hand on the wheel. Okay. okay. All right. All right. Welcome to Hearthstone. Yep. Hey, I'm going to close my eyes. <laughs> oh, uh, ah! <laughs> Wait. Oh, well, luckily we're safe. Yep. Um, it's cold out. Should we get out of the car or just sort of play Hearthstone? I think we should play Hearthstone. <laughs> okay. Some time passes. <laughs> well, it looks like I'm not going to hit legend today. Mm, let's keep driving. No, we're going to keep. No, okay. Well, yeah, but sure. To you, uh, 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 but let's let's try to drive a little bit. Hey, wait, we're driving. Feels a little light in the back. I'm gonna pull over and and, and, just, and check, check things check out. The boot. Make sure yeah. that. Uh, uh, Whoa, okay. Nelly! Boy, did we bite off a big chunk this time, Brushwood. Oh, we screwed was, up big time. This was our last job. He said to us specifically, there's only one rule, kids. Don't crash the truck in such a way that a bunch of monkeys get out. Smash cut to the boss's office. That's it. Give me your badge and Hearthstone phone. <laughs> So there's a tweet from the troopers, uh, from the cops that say all monkeys have been accounted for. Apparently there had been one that was mm, unaccounted for that is apparently accounted for. Yeah. They found that frozen corpse. Yeah. The lack of details. You want to know who accounted for him? Grim Reaper. And upstairs. Oh, okay. The other guy. I was thinking the guy downstairs. Oh, geez. Uh, Apparently somebody has a... I had a poor, poor concept of the lives of monkeys. uh, In Bryce's defense, were they baptized? I don't think so. (laughs) Have they had their communion? You don't know what what was going on in that lab. The communion was lab diet. And you... you, (laughs) I'm not thinking of formula communion wafers. And they come in like a like a Pez dispenser. Yeah. <laughs> one 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 uh, uh, communion appropriate disc. <laughs> Sorry, Andrew, we were, oh. you were doing a podcast. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. I, I I if I bring up the topic of a hundred monkeys escape from a lab truck, what can I expect? I mean, aside from a metaphor of what you have to deal with every Monday. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, I. Uh, <clears throat> I live for stories like that. I mean, I don't like to live to see that they're recaptured, but that was the thing we had by, and uh, I think we mentioned this before, Justin and I grew up, there was a bunch of wild monkeys out by the airport, and they mm-hmm. were kind of mythical, but people knew they were there, and it turned out that they were, like, escaped from, like, a herpes research project or something. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Oh, cool. Been living with that. <laughs> uh, now, explain to me, like, you know, a uh, lab leak is a ridiculous theory. <laughs> you, know, we, yeah. you know, we've been living next to herpes infected monkeys for decades. Uh, speaking of which, I, I, I guess I saw a, a snippet of a news story of them culling all of the hamsters in Hong Kong because one, one of them had uh, COVID. And I think we had heard about that a while ago, too. The like, Hong Kong hamsters? The Hong Kong hamsters. <laughs> That sounds like a rollerball team. Oh my! I I, I am team. I am very, I am very put off by the casual use of the word "cull." 
Hong Kong's hamster call shows the absurdity oh. of its zero-COVID mission, says Quartz. Oh. Now, uh, what is a call? Are they killing these poor hamsters? Well, yes, yes, that they, is they, what a call is. No, is they're like, putting them by, up in hotels the and letting then, them, you know, ride out the pandemic. Why don't we use that? Not call. What the call? That's a bad word for killing hamsters. It should say we're killing, by, by the killing thousands. hamsters. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, from a the, large... The hamsters are accounted for. All of the hamsters. Yeah, have been they're accounted. all accounted for. Oh my god! So wait, so uh, they found a hamster that had COVID, and they're like, all the hamsters need to die. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. And anybody who accidentally bought a hamster during this time period needs to return their their hamster because it needs to die. That's right. Yes. Uh, apparently, the, the so right now the are they at zero believe, hamsters? Uh, uh, I believe, unless they, contraband hamsters, well, illegal well, hamsters. They, they 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 found one from you know a crop of hamsters, and they're all like uh, all of them need to go roll out. Yeah. Uh, apparently, Appar- in the Netherlands, they did a similar thing with minks. They just slaughtered because of COVID of thousands of mink no 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 this oh, is just a for another thing. Minx. Yeah. yeah that was what i was thinking of yeah uh this uh, the bbc is reporting that uh there are about two thousand little friends um hamsters and other small mammals uh that are set to be called but there is a petition against it um so but it's china's are they in a waiting room like are they being put up at a hotel like a sequestered jury i'm I'm assuming, I don't know, Andrew, do you know? I'm assuming that it's just like they just announced it, so they have a little bit of time before. I presume that's the case where it's just been announced. That like, congratulations, everybody. Hey, everybody who got themselves a small little pet to keep them, you know, some comfort throughout this pandemic, we're going to have to take it from and murder it. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, China. You're sorry, used to that, though. We've so. got reports that there is joy being experienced in the world. <laughs> we're going to need that. I'm sorry. <gasps> but I had read that that uh, animal human to animal transmission is part of one of the reasons why they think COVID will be a thing for a forever, very long forever time. Forever and ever, yeah. Right. Uh, the, uh, uh, so, so this does, uh, I, I think it's fair to say that, that we've been vaguely skeptical of China's claims that they've been COVID free uh, for a while. Um, but, but says you American pig dog rid, riddle me this. What is the benefit of staying totally COVID free? Because Australia managed for a while and then the right flavor leaked in. And now they're just as purple as the rest of us. Um, and, 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 and on the other side of this, they'll have hmm. some immunity. I can speak to this. Uh, the benefit of a zero COVID strategy is that you would not get COVID for a while. Right. But you would eventually. I was but done speaking. Might... Oh. <laughs> oh, no. I, I will... Yeah, that was it. That was the end of I'll... the benefits is you don't get COVID for a while. For a while. And I'm going to leave. Defend, I'll defend a zero COVID strategy. Okay. Yes. Even though I'm against lockdowns and mandates, very make it very very clear. If you if you try that, if you're a place like an island nation, let's say like Australia, or New Zealand, or someplace like this, or you can control your borders, you can control your territory, you control what goes in there, and people will blindly give up their rights, whatever, and you have the ability to do this. And, and by, by the way, let me also point out with Australia, they can not only control their outside borders, but they can control their state, what would be their state borders, their, their I, territory I, borders. One of the most chilling things I got is I have somebody in Australia who also is like an Andrew Maine, and sometimes I get his Gmail, and I got his travel permit. And I'm like, what is this? 
and it was to go from one province to the next. I'm yeah. like, last I checked, you were one country. No, um, yeah, they can they they uh, they can yeah. they, they they can enforce those borders, and and uh, cops will drive you back across the border if you do not have the right paperwork. So so the advantage of a complete lockdown or trying to do this is. If you wait out to the idea now, if you waited to the point that there was a vaccination, you could vaccinate a higher percentage of your population. You might have less overall mortality. Yeah. Remember, we lost the early stages of the pandemic when our, our wise advisors were telling us, don't worry, you don't need masks. Of course, it's not airborne. And it was airborne. And we were told not to wear masks. And the most vulnerable people were not protected by masks because we told them not to wear masks. We ripped through you know, tens of thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people got infected and died because of that. Yeah. Were you a complete lockdown? Well, you would have had the benefit of not having to deal with the idiotic recommendations of not wearing a mask. You'd then know, okay, we should maybe wearing a mask is a good idea. You lock down long enough to the point there's a vaccine. You could then inoculate your most vulnerable, and then your overall death rate from COVID would likely be lower. Yes, which, which it is. It is in Australia. Yeah. Like, like there is there is no doubt that their that their death count. I mean, I think it's. It's like a fraction of. I, I think uh, Bryce was saying three three thousand compared to nine hundred thousand. Yes. in the U.S. No, huh? it is yeah. it is it is uh, a, a, an extraordinarily different uh, scenario. Although I will I, I will again reiterate that there are realities for Australia being a something where they can lock down uh, again out, externally and internally, uh, and, and and they have about I think it's like less than the population of California. And think about this too: is that we had, we had one when the suggestion was, "Hey, we should shut down our borders or even prevent travel from high traffic, you know, high states with high this." That was met with huge resistance. Yes, huge, huge, huge resistance. That no, we can't do that. The suggestion that people who are illegally crossing the border should be tested and sent back had been thrown out as being inhumane or whatever. And then when we had large protests that were anti-government, but were from like BLM movement, things like this, those were considered, no, that's acceptable. That's appropriate. I, I, I have no problem with protesting. I have no problem with that personally. It is, and it's a person's choice, but it was transmitted, but we didn't want to talk about that. And that's the thing. And so our will, it wasn't just people would say, okay, then if we wanted to be locked down, then you have to give up these other things too, which the people who would sort of maybe say they were pro lockdown were like, well, no, not those. Like, then what's the point of a lockdown? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that there are, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 we can just get into a kind of, uh, um, I mean, larger, it's, 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 a larger, a larger a conversation about, uh, uh, COVID mitigation strategies. Do we want to, do we want to walk down that road or? I mean, sure. uh, yeah, espe okay. well, especially, uh, I, I, I think I'm more comfortable with the conversation now that, uh, uh, reports every single day seem to be indicating that, uh, 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 you know, more and more cities are seeming to be past their peak and, uh, you know, who knows about strains, but it does look like we're entering, uh, another miniature spring period. Yeah. I mean, you know, and who knows, who knows what happens from here? Uh, I think there are a few things that we know. Number one, this is going to be an endemic virus. Number two, it's seasonal. Uh, number three, uh, vaccines should be looked at as a very effective pre-therapeutic, um, if you, that it will, it'll protect you if you get, uh, uh, the disease. And, uh, uh, as far as that goes, I mean, if we understand that it is, especially to Omicron, less, uh, effective 
uh, for stopping you getting the virus or transmitting the virus, then, you know, uh, uh, I think that we have kind of a full deck of information. Uh, uh, now, if we're going to reverse engineer that as to what we could have done, should have done, uh, you know, in, in the past and let that inform how we go forward, I think like everything, there's, there's a glove for every hand. We're in a very, very big country that has very, very different cultural norms. I think that there are some basic through lines that uh, Americans are different than say Europeans or Australians. But uh, in general, I think the, the biggest thing that we could learn going back is if you don't want to engender fatigue, with mitigation strategies, if you believe that the mitigation strategies are as important as we say they are, then you need to create an understanding where these things come and go and and the restrictions have to go as fast as they come. You have to have the courage to remove them when the worst threats are away, because if you don't, then you engender anger and resentment toward the mitigation strategies, which I think, uh, at times when you have huge onset is damaging. I, I, I think it's, it's, it's damaging to, to everybody to not have that tool in your toolbox, no matter how effective you might think of it. Yeah. Uh, I'm, in fact, uh, wasn't it Starbucks that was one of the first major corporations to uh, uh, roll back the vaccine mandate for uh, employees uh, based on the Supreme Court ruling? Yeah. I mean, we can look at that, uh, you know, that, yeah that element the, the the political element of it but uh yeah i'm science you know science is our attempt to try to understand the unknown and we never have certainty you know we call you know theory of relativity still a theory even though it's unlikely we ever see that over being overturned and every experiment does this but it is an explanation that fits the available data for something when science and people of science try to speak with confidence and say things absolutely or definitively or whatever they set themselves up and and make they make things worse for two reasons. Uh, one is that that goes from science to dogma, which is not the role of science to be dogmatic. Two is that if you if you say people are oh I don't want to sound like I'm not sure we got to be if you speak with conviction and you are wrong, there's a segment of the society that will not trust you, and you cannot regain that trust. You look at the media and you look over the last several weeks and you see there's a lot of people in the media like. How do we how do we control media so the dumbs out there don't get any more bad ideas? And it's like the reason they get a lot of bad ideas is because they know they're being lied to and then nobody admits to it when they're lied to or people say things they're sure about that they're not. And you can't say, well, we need to filter it even more. We need to filter it. No, that only makes it worse. And that's what we're seeing right now is a segment of the population or segments that don't trust different authorities, sometimes for good reason and sometimes, too, because they're actively know that they're they're trying to have information withheld or things shut down. When you see things where people, oh, we should shut down Joe Rogan because he had this guy in there that said things that were wrong. Well, that makes people who adhere to those ideas cling to them even more. It's basic psychology. And that's the most scary thing to me is like, well, this person said this. Well, we need to go shut them down. Like, do you think that's going to stop the people that believe extreme things that they're going to all of a sudden go, well, they shut them down. OK, I guess I'm going to go back to the mainstream. And also, you need people saying things are outside the mainstream because sometimes they're right. Right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, it's it's um, the one thing I will say in terms of the stats that I have watched throughout this entire process. Uh, 
were death stats relative to population. And for a while, pre-Delta, you saw states that were clustered in the Northeast that had a higher death per capita. Uh, New York had been at the highest, but you also saw in the top five, New Jersey and Connecticut, uh, a lot of uh, states that, that really were like blistered by that first wave. Now, I believe if you look, at least the last time I looked, the deaths per capita are exactly in line with population. And that includes California, about as blue as blue gets. Florida, now fairly solidly a red state. Texas, very much a, a red state, even more than Florida. And New York, a very, very blue state. Those are our top four states by population. Deaths per capita uh, are now exactly in line, regardless of what state's mitigation strategies that were put in. And I think we can all agree that there was a gulf of difference between the mitigation strategies of California and New York and those of Florida and Texas. To me, that says this is a seasonal disease. To me, that says that, that there are, are some real questions that we should put into exactly what our mitigation strategies are. And uh, uh, we should understand it and be empathetic. I mean, like, I, I think that it's really the saddest part about all of this for people that I think are are genuinely curious about understanding the state of this this insane, heinous virus is that we tend to go on this uh, uh, carousel in certain elements of our discourse where it's, ha ha, the reds are dying, ha ha, the blues are dying. Uh, and that's, to me, very gross. Uh, uh, it, is, it is the wrong lesson. And it doesn't get us any closer to being to saving lives, which is, I think, ultimately what any person would really truly want. And I, I, I think you're talking about the most important lives, which, of course, are hamsters. And <laughs> that's the real tragedy is these hamsters are getting cold. Yeah, I, I would say back to this point, though, is like that was the thing that's most distressing and was watching either group on there when like, oh, somebody got somebody got the vaccine and they got sick. Ha ha. Or, you know, somebody had it and they died anyways. Ha. And that's like or somebody didn't get vaccinated. Ha ha. They got what they deserve. Like what a horrible if you find yourself rooting for the death of a human that like is not Hitler. You need you and you being and, and based on that based some, on science, the vast majority of population is not Hitler. That is something that, that we have we are fairly certain. Now it's it's like relativity; it's still a theory, but the not Hitler theory is fairly strong and evidence based. That's when you see it. When I see things on Twitter, see people say this, and it's like that's your true colors. Like it, you can you can talk about wanting to be a kind or loving person, but the moment. It, and you don't know, like, like I have some friends that are still not vaccinated. I've, you know, I'm explaining like, Hey, I think, you know, bandages to it, whatever, but I'm not going to belittle them for their choices or whatever, because it's not like we've had a lot of openness about information and stuff. And it's not like our government's encouraged a lot of trust with us and stuff. And I think for people who are a little more paranoid than I, I get it. And, and for somebody to root for the death of somebody like that, who's making this choice because of whatever their reason they have, it's, that's you want to know where how you get concentration camp guards. That's how you get it. That's where it comes from. This group, they're worthy of death because they don't agree with the way I feel and because they are this existential threat. That's where that comes from. That's where you're like, oh, well, you know, maybe they deserve to die. And people go, how does this happen? And it happens from people who think that, oh, I would never be that person. I would never be the person that would run the gas chamber or whatever. 
Well, when you de- when somebody has a different point of view from you and you dehumanize them to the point that you think that it's okay that they're dead, whether it be somebody who maybe you don't agree with vaccination, maybe they're somebody who is from a disadvantaged group. You know, maybe they're somebody who's, you know, uh, in, a, you know, we, we, we make jokes about dead prostitutes. You know, we look at people trying to cross our border to freedom who die along the way. And it's like, oh, well, sucks for them. It's like, that's a family. That's a person. That was a living being that wanted yeah. something better. And when we... That's where evil comes from. Is is that that chortling, that that getting some sort of glee out of the death of somebody that you disagree with, or they transgress something, not because they tried to kill you, but because they're just different than you. So, I'll get off my soapbox now. But it's a yeah. digital soapbox, though, that we're gonna sell yeah, as an NFT. If you wish for the death of somebody, or you're glad about it, check yourself. It's a That's bad, it. yeah. Take take a breath. Doug, take take yep. take five. Have a drink of water. Get eight hours yeah. of sleep. <laughs> get thirty minutes of cardio because you need to. You need to clear your mind, my man. What is this? The I, opening I got... to train spotting? Hey, this is the opening <laughs> to. This is the opening to train spotting. <laughs> Choose life. Choose life. <laughs> I'm just thinking planes, trains, and automobiles. So I'm like, <laughs> I don't remember that. Great Thanksgiving movie, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Yeah, look, uh, 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 there's, there's, you know, I mean, this gets into the the conversation about like whether or not we are actually more crude in our discourse, or whether or not we are fascinated by the bottom of the bucket where all the, the scum gathers, and that's like what we look at as as a more representative element of our of our society than it might be. So who knows. I got some kind of interesting, maybe could be uplifting news, hopefully. All right. And What's that? There's a, there's been a dream in space trap, spacecraft and space travel, and that is the idea of the single stage to orbit, the idea of one craft that goes all the way to orbit. SpaceX has said, hey, listen, uh, avionics, aerospace technology is advanced enough. We can do our approach where we have a booster stage that comes back down and lands, and the upper stage does its business, and it eventually could land or whatever. You know, Elon Musk says it's you know it's it's inefficient to try to build like a whole system because you're taking things into orbit and a lot of weight you don't need to, et cetera. But yet that idea still is you know held onto by people who think there's a value. We had an initiative in the 1990s to build the the SST single stage. It was going to be a craft that could launch from like an airport like an airport runway and make it into space and go back. We ran into problems because part of the spec was they had to build a carbon fiber tank to hold, hold the liquid hydrogen for it. And we just technologically did not have the capability. And the, and the engineers working on it said if we could have switched to aluminum, which would have worked, it would have worked. But the funding was for carbon fiber tech. And so that whole project got you know got um, disbanded. There's a company called Radian, Washington-based aerospace company. And by the way, Washington's got, you know, it's like Boeing and et cetera. So it's pretty yeah. big. And that's also where... Uh, uh, Blue Origin started from. They're working on their plan for a single stage orbit plane that could carry people and cargo. Uh, the current design can take up to five people and 5,000 pounds of cargo, and they would be able to bring 10,000 pounds back down to Earth. And again, this is a completely single stage system and would use, you know, basically, you know, engines that would be able to work at um, go take it up to a certain altitude and then kick in and go to, you know, faster. The challenge is, is you you know, an airplane, you know, a top speed of, let's say, an SR-71 is like maybe, you know, 3,000 miles per hour to get into orbit. You got to go about 20,000 miles per hour. So they they would need to be doing things that nobody has ever done with an airplane? 
Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Uh, Danny. One of these renderings appears to depict um, the the uh, space plane being on a track uh, where it looks like maybe the rockets that are being fired are on the track themselves, so they never even leave the ground. They just get this thing up to such a speed that it's able to um, use aerodynamics to start going up. And obviously there has to be some amount of fuel to get it all the way up to orbit. And and then it would like the space shuttle glide down. This doesn't strike me as super crazy. I mean, clearly, I mean, smart people are working on it and, and they think that, you know, there's, you know, some advantage to being able to do this. And so, I think that what you're looking at there might be a, uh, you know, might be a one approach, which is like using like a track acceleration system to do that. The dream, of course, would be something that could use airport runways, use existing airport runways, mm-hmm. go into space, come back down, et cetera. And that may be a dream forever. And, you know, the SpaceX approach is if you can land, only only put into space what you need to put into space, land everything else, use two stages, and that makes it more efficient. Also, from a fuel point of view, is the idea that it may take way more fuel to put that into orbit, and that becomes SpaceX is sort of saying, we think the biggest cost is going to be fuel, but other people might say it might be operational cost. Um, the argument that's being made by uh, uh, Peter Beck, which is their rocket lab, while they just announced, by the way, Rocket Lab announced their whole new, I think we maybe we showed that, their new approach where they're building their whole like single stage to, or, or not single stage, they're, bold, they're building a rocket that's going to be the Neutron, which is going to be their kind of competitor, the Falcon 9, which is kind of crazy. It's this big fat sort of rocket where basically it, it you know, it, it the, the, the lower stage has the ferry. Oh, also look at the donk the on that one. Yep. What a, what a little chub. We and got so a certified the, chode over here. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea is, you know, how SpaceX has that upper stage and has the ferry, and the idea is the ferry is attached to the lower stage. The lower stage opens up, and this upper stage then takes off from there. And so their idea is that they could recover the fairing. They don't want to have to use, uh, Peter Beck is the president of, of Rocket Lab, has said, we don't want to have to have, like, ships out at sea trying to capture things. He says doing those nautical operations like SpaceX does is really expensive. And so a lot of it's not just it's not really the fuel. And that's exactly what you saw in Moonraker, where they were swiping up satellites or a sandworm. So for, for all for all I know, this is already an existing business plan. But I, I could almost imagine a rocket sled getting something aerodynamic up to speed to hurl it up to, say, I don't know, 35,000 feet, at which point it docks with a space plane that is already there and, and it fires up and then kind of toss almost like a picture, picture, picture people throwing fish at a fish market or whatever, where it's like, you got the, the thing on the ground that stays on the ground and it just hurls it up to the next thing that catches it. And then it builds up momentum well, and hurls it up even more. Well, you're, you're the thing that the challenge is, is the, we're, the thing that is the that it, the second thing that hits is like there's going to be a transfer of momentum, which means transfer of energy, and so that thing has to then hit it. it if, if it's trying to transfer, it has to hit it at that velocity, which would be kind of a hell of impact. There's bolos, you know, which are the idea of having like the long tethers that come through and you sort of get hold of the t- which we've talked about before, right? But um, you know, you've and you can't have anything really into orbit until you're like twenty, you know, until you're, you know 
300 miles up, 200 miles up. I think the lowest to orbit you can kind of maintain without a lot of atmospheric drag. And so to do that, you got to be going about 18,000 miles an hour. Um, yeah, I guess, uh, I guess what I'm, uh, the, the idea that, that is novel to my mind that I'm toying with is the idea of, of rather than a single object that sheds pieces of itself, like we see with traditional rocketry, mm-hmm. instead having kind of, you know, three animals at three different levels, uh, each of which can get independently fueled and continue to, uh, stay at that level. And essentially the payload is just kind of just chunked from person to so, person, a person like a bucket brigade. So like to, to, to the first thing that would like kind of pass momentum onto it, you'd want to have it be, if it were just like an aircraft going really fast and takes out of fuel. But if you're saying that like, okay, it's in low earth orbit, really low earth orbit. And it could do it. Cause you can have a rocket can go up. Like you can, you can have a rocket go up a thousand miles. You can, you can have a rocket go up. 30 miles an hour if you can have fuel and it can go higher than the space station, but it's going to fall back to earth because it doesn't have escape velocity, right? Um, bolos were the idea of you have something get high enough and it catches like a tether and it swings it around and there's enough momentum going around that this thing's not going to get pulled. This thing only gets pulled, you know, maybe accelerates its orbit into earth. So there is like, if you look up like bolos and tethers, that's sort of that idea of, of how to do that. So it's not as crazy as it, may seem to some people listening out there if you look up like space tethers and space bolos because that's basically the idea is like how to get things to further out and you could theoretically put them at different points lagrange points things like this and just slingshot stuff around chuck them yeah yurt we're gonna yurting to space which we talked about before with spin lab that'd be yeet right yeah yeet Uh, you're putting your yeeting a yurt into space yeah you could yeet a yurt yeah uh, I got a pick. Pick it up. Pick it up. Pick it up. Pick it up. Uh, it's from a relatively small YouTube channel, only seventy-seven thousand subscribers. But uh, this is a high-quality ninety uh, or fifty minutes that you could spend. Um, uh, it's titled "Why Coco?" (parentheses probably parentheses couldn't talk (parentheses sorry) <laughs> the deep dive. And it's a, a, a pretty good long look uh, into um, the theories of why people wanted to communicate and talk to various animals and um, the various attempts that came with it. And uh, part of the reason that Coco was such a success was because they very carefully hand-selected what videos there are of Coco. <laughs> and uh, uh, it makes a very compelling case that Coco the gorilla was um, uh, uh, basically a, a, a nonsense engine, and yeah. uh, uh, it's a, 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 it's just such a, a delightful media darling, just so story that it's really taken root in in the uh, uh, the global gestalt. But uh, man, they got graphs and numbers and all this stuff. Um, it's a, uh, uh, it it basically says what. Uh, what I learned in college all those years ago that nobody was uh, wanting to say. Uh, and I liked it a lot. So I got a story about, go ahead, go ahead. That. You have a Coco story. I, I do go uh, about Randy, James Randy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who we worked for mm-hmm. uh, prior to that. I don't want to name names. One of the first conferences, like there was one of the, 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 another primate that had been taught that one of the, the, the primate had been taught and the woman who was the known for this or having taught this primate how to do sign language 
showed a video, was at a preference conference, and Randy was at the conference. Randy stood up and pointed out and said, listen, look at the video, you're signing. You're, it was Clever Hans, is you're signing, you're showing it what to do, and it's mimicking you, right? And the people there were didn't quite know what to think, but then I know people in the like the animal communications industry have said that for years that that set things back. They were angry at Randy, upset with Randy because the statement of that pointing that out, saying it was clever Hans and whatnot, and it put, put, put a bunch of skepticism on there. And so when Coco came out and all that, there was still always this, well, how much of it is it really signing? And and I, I think Coco could sign some things, but the depth of stuff, like when Coco's message to the world and all this stuff, I thought just completely yes. <laughs> Oh, uh, the, me- the message had- to the world is is a straight up fraud. It's 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 yeah. it's uh, they they just had Coco mimic a bunch of things and it used uh, uh, Clipovision to just cut out and and assemble uh, what looks like a thoughtful dialogue from a gorilla, you know, about like, it, it, and it comes across as like. I've read the IPCC reports, and yeah. um, you humans are doing very foolish things. You need to stop hurting Mother Nature. Oh, really? You're very dumb. I don't even remember this. I yes. Mean, yeah. No, it's amazing. And it's it's frustrating because like, I, I do believe that they have some task-free language because we've seen yeah. them do task-free. Chimps and gorillas do some tasks for this. I think the human language and structure might be our own thing, and there can be other things that have their own. And it's the frustrating thing when people say, oh, that's animals. It's like people are like, no, it's like its own thing. And that can be right. special. You know, a whale song doesn't have to be, you know, Shakespeare. It could be its own sort of thing that's alien to us, but has meaning and value. And so the, 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 the weird that, that we have to justify it our own terms is actually dangerous to me because then when it feels alien. So that, that, that ends Coco- up being kind of the, uh, the final point of the video essay is that it's like the weirdest part is if we want to believe that animals have a language why wouldn't we just try to learn their language? Why would we insist on dressing them as a human, separating them from all of their own species, and make them pretend to be our species to, to feel good about that? And um, he makes a compelling case that uh, this, this boils down to animal cruelty. It's awful. Uh, uh, it's uh, uh, but but watch it and make your own decisions on it. Yeah, I would argue that we've done a lot to understand certain like behaviors of animals and stuff. And sometimes we want to think there's more, but a hug can just be a hug. Grooming can just be grooming, you know. And a warning call could be a warning call and stuff. There might be there might be another layer, more sophistication to it. But does it have to be, you know, a mother and her infant? You know, there's a lot of communication going on between there. But that the infant, there's not, they're not. Uh, uh, consciously aware of it, but there is. And so, yeah. Right. Well, and, and also it's like, there's a, as we learn more brain science, we learn that there are certain structures in the human mind that are absent in other species. And, uh, and if they were there in those other species, then uh, <laughs> the example I remember hearing is uh, teaching sign language to apes. If they had the capacity to translate abstract thought into linguistics then they would do so by their own means it's the equivalent of saying i think all these birds can fly just nobody's shown them how so you walk up to a bird and you flap your arms and the bird's like holy crap oh wait i could fly this whole time you know it's like that's 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 the problem oh boy people need to stop messing around with these animals hamsters hamsters gorillas what's next 
Also, Coco had a thing for nipples in a big way. It was a mm-hmm. subheading on her Wikipedia page. Oh, really? Nipples? <laughs> nipple, fa- nipple fixation. Wow. 2.4. Uh, in fact, uh, the foundation got sued twice because uh, the, the, the... Trying to uh, flick them nips? She attacked it, right? Well, no, she, she, would, uh, she would get very upset oh, and, 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 and volunteers were told, hey, uh, Coco really wants to see your nips, so why don't you just... <laughs> Why don't you just take off your top and let her see your nipples? What? And like, yeah. I don't want to do that. And you're like, it's going to go better for all of us if you just, just whip them out. Just pull out those nipples. She's tired of seeing mine. Uh, she's got to see some young, nubile, new nipples. Yeah. I'm going to need you some to show guy, your nipples. Uh, yeah, uh, Coco needs to see your boobs and stuff, and maybe a <laughs> selfie to just. Unbelievable. That sounds like a South Park it plot, does. doesn't it? But like, it's, it's uh, our apparently... gorilla can talk. <laughs> our gorilla can talk, and he's but... talking to me right now. What's that? You want like, to see nipples? No, and then it's like, like, oh, my God, I'm a fresh young college student. I've come to see your talking gorilla. Oh, the gorilla loves nipples. <laughs> you need to show the gorilla your nipples right now. Watch, watch the whole video. It's right. it's it's very compelling, <laughs> and they don't even show any nipples. Uh, uh, only only uh, partially as funny as dressed up animal abuse is a new <laughs> podcast by the clever SNL alums Dana Carvey and David Spade. Uh, it is called Fly on the Wall, and. They interview people that were either on SNL or hosted SNL or were like involved in their careers. Uh, there's a there's a a a, a kind of genre of podcasting that I would describe. I I think kind of really with this title, like a fly in the wall or an inside inner circle kind of thing, where it's like this is not an interview interview where we're going through somebody's career or somebody's life. It's not an overview. It's not necessarily a news making interview, but in the same way that you'd be interested to hear an hour long conversation with, let's say the, uh, uh, PayPal mafia, right? Like if, if just, Whatever they're talking about right now, that'd be fascinating. If you were to talk with the the brain trust of the people that elected Barack Obama that have gone on to all these different things and just hear what they think about certain stuff, uh, I, I think there is that genre of entertainment, and this is that for if you are interested in Saturday Night Live, if you're interested in the names that they've had on so far, which include Chris Rock, Tina Fey, Rob Lowe, uh, it is... It is good. Dana Carvey and David Spade are not exactly the most dialed in interviewers on the planet, but (laughs) I think that they are earnest in that they are asking questions that they are fascinated by. It's a lot of inside comedy stuff, a lot of great inside uh, uh, SNL stuff. The Rob Lowe stuff has great stories of him doing both Wayne's world with Dana Carvey and a Tommy boy or uh, uh, was it? Tommy Boy, where did he do it? David Spade. No, yeah, it's Tommy Boy with David Spade and and, and Wayne's World with with Dana Carvey, mm. uh, including one that uh, story that David Spade tells that uh, uh, Chris Farley was ornery during the time that he was shooting Tommy Boy with uh, uh with Spade because they could not miss any time on SNL. It was a very small cast that could not skip any weeks, so they were going in their off time to. Toronto to shoot Tommy boy. And one day 
uh, Farley's super cranky. He's sick. And he's just like, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. And he's sitting in his uh, chair on the flight up, putting a thing over his head, sleeping. He's like, I'm going to sleep. Don't bother me. So he does. He leaves. Rob Lowe, uh, you know, calls David Spade. And he's like, hey, man, you want to go get dinner? And he's like, yeah, sure. So they go to get dinner. Next morning, uh, Spade and Farley are in their makeup chairs. And Farley is just grilling David Spade through the mirror. Just death staring David Spade. And he's just like, so did you have a good night? Did you have a good night? He's like, yeah, yeah. Hey, how's Rob? How's Rob? Did Rob have a good time? Did you have a good time with Rob? Uh, he's like, yeah. And he just starts throwing his water bottles at David Spade. And he's like, why didn't you call me? He's like, you told me not to wake you up. He's like, I didn't know going out to dinner with Rob Lowe was on the table. You at least need to call. So great stories, little fun stories. If you you know certainly grew up to appreciate their work on SNL or in the movies, it is Good stuff, and and I would say the the best one so far was with Chris Rock. It was a very, you know, like comedians, comedian, like kind of high level chat about what's funny, the creative process. It was it was very good. Uh, I've got a pick. I uh, I, I watched a, a classic film over uh, the past week, uh, um, and. Well, that one was was also great. I oh. uh, uh, had the pleasure of watching uh, my cousin Vinny last week. My cousin Vinny, which is on wow. HBO Max, what a, what holds a, up is so great. What a what a what a trip through cinema history you've been on. Well, uh, I've seen my cousin Vinny before. Oh, I've seen. I've said seen you it. have. Oh, yeah. Oh no, I've Jeez, no, I have seen it. It's oh no. Uh, I didn't great. want people to get confused with Back to the Future, but then I confused them all by making his. Sound like I was going to talk about that one, uh, but no, it's uh, a, a, another just fantastic uh, film. Um, a very easy watch. I just threw it on while I was working on the podcasts last week, um, and uh, kept kept getting distracted by it. It's it's really great, and it, it's uh, a, another kind of two hour movie that doesn't feel very long. Um, there's a lot of moments where you're like, oh, are we really going to go and do a whole thing? And they're like, no, we're not going to go do that whole thing. We're just going to get to the next that- thing. Notable, it's like the last time Ralph Macchio was seen before popping up in Cobra Kai. <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. You know, My Cousin Vinny, too, such a great screenplay that you could really shoot as a, or you could you could perform as a play, right? There's only like, like mm-hmm. you could, you could collapse a that, scenes. you could collapse that story yeah. into a couple locations, uh, uh, and it still would retain all the things that make it really fun and special, great performances. And you almost get the sense from some of the way that it's written that maybe they would have wanted this to be a franchise a little bit. It's some of it, but Oh, that I, they would, they would want the, like him more to be kind adventures of, the, of Vinny. Yeah. 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 But, uh, but, uh, man, it holds Tell you what, it. reboot it, put it on HBO max. Like I'm, I'm for it. That, mm. that I'm, now I'm into it. My I would, uncle Vinny. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Pesci, Pesci probably wouldn't do it, but you could, I mean, like, I would say like, that's, that's a cool idea. Yeah. Marissa Tomei would be. Well, we will, Mr. Pesci would like to hear some offers, you know, let's <laughs> let, let tell us because. Yeah. Don't piss him off. Andrew, you got a pick? Uh, yeah. So I've got a couple picks. Um, one is, uh, Peacemaker, uh, loving it, enjoying it. Uh, everything's been great. Peacemaker is just Peacemaker been, rules. Yep. It's. James Gunn, it is most James Gunn in the way that I want to see James Gunn do something. So I've really been liking that. 
And then the other is... Uh, uh, by, by the way, anybody who likes Peacemaker, if you haven't seen Super, watch Super. Super? Uh, yeah, James Gunn's kind of like when he was waiting for Hollywood to give him another big shot movie oh. he made. Yeah, I'd never, it, I'd it, never yeah it, it is it is an interesting proto. I think Peacemaker is him at a different level of his career, both as a writer and and and, and director, uh, taking some of these ideas and and putting them on a whole nother level. But uh, uh, yeah, there. I just looked this up. There is a novel series about my cousin Vinny. Oh, really? Really? Is that where it was adapted from, or is that done afterward? No, no, it was just. Um, there was just yeah. There's been a couple books in the My Cousin Vinny like universe. There was a there was an attempt at doing a sequel which fell through, but then yeah. Uh, wow, in 2015 too. Oh my goodness, a third book in 2020. Wow. There is also Bande Ye Bendas High. Like, what's that, Andrew? What's that, um, Andrew? An unreleased Hindi language comedy film that is a remake of My Cousin Vinny. Oh, nice. That they would... were served a legal notice by 20th Century Fox <laughs> in 2009, so it got shelved. I was going to say, that was a good idea, but it's yeah, not well, when you don't do it like that. Good at clearances. Um, so uh, I am up, I think we're up to date uh, on Boba Fett. And well, we have, we have kept trying to talk about it, and you have said you are not caught up. So I went you for you guys. Up? Okay, we were You're like, "What up. are we going to watch?" And I'm like, "I need to watch Boba Fett." So yeah. they stopped yelling at me. Okay. Um, have you watched it man. with respect? <laughs> I have watched it with respect. And did you watch I, half of it in the past too? <laughs> yeah, I, I that structure doesn't bother me. The how he got to where he got to doesn't bother me, and the the. I love John Favreau. I love John Favreau. John Favreau is amazing, and he's given yep. us great Star Wars again, and I love that. You know what I also love is a really good writer's room. Helpful. It would be helpful. It, that you know, sometimes that makes all the difference in the multi worlds. I I feel like his what he's doing is really. I could not imagine doing it, but I feel like some of these stories. Like, I'm enjoying it, but I feel like. It feels like a guy who's doing a bunch of things, writing a thing in a first draft. It goes out the door, and it's good. But had it be, I don't know, could be know, great. Bring in, bring in a couple other because there's things that could just hit a bit more, could be a bit more. They could build out that world a bit more. I think would be, and it's also like Mandalorian. It has that pacing where I'm like, you could fit twenty percent more story into the same time frame. It's got bones. It's got good. It's like it's got characters that are interesting. It's got a place that's obviously very interesting. If anything, I think some of the meat that it really, really leaves on the bone is the fact that I don't think that Mos Espa has been the character that I think it it, it truly could and should be in a world where it, where you are talking about crime syndicates. They it's do a avert. street. Mm -hmm. It's a street. The mayor's office in a casino. Yeah, it, it feels like it feels like an 80s TV show and that I don't feel like I'm getting a world there. And I'm like, and you have to think like make you can make Tatooine very interesting. Like, are there caverns on Tatooine? Is it underground? Is there other stuff there? Are there big bazaars with stuff? You know, I just felt like from the production design point of view, like I felt like it could be bigger, but just the story itself. But what, if, yeah. what if they used to have a worm? <laughs> All right. Uh, so. 
some of the best science fiction, like that, I think is like you know Battlestar, where you know that you really knew that the Battlestar reboot was going to be something special when I think it was the the first episode out of the miniseries was just about how they stayed ahead of the Cylons. It was something like very vital, uh, very mechanical, like, and I think that part of what's missing with this is that we don't kind of know what the data breaking bad was great about this with like the drug trade, like uh, the wire was, was great about this. It's just knowing like just that little bit of like, okay, what's the day to day? Like, yes, we we're facing a lot of the questions of like who's in line, who's paying tribute, who's not, but I don't even know what this role that he's inhabiting really means. Like, I don't like, there's gotta be a balance sheet. He's, he's running protection brackets. Like, is he like, you know, is, is, is this, is he a crime Lord? Is he kind of like a warlord where just all business goes through him? And, and he's kind of more of a stabilizing influence to a lawless city. Like there's just a, a lot there that, that I, I kind of feel like between that and, and the smallness of the universe is just like, it leaves me wanting more. I, I I want like uh, Matthew Barry's robot character to explain things to their the mod gang or the young mod gang. They you know like here's the way that it works. This yes. is why and this is why you have to have this. And you know I'm like oh okay cool I get it. Uh, and this is something that Brian um, and I have talked a lot about. I don't know quite why we need to defang everything that was brutal and violent about the Star Wars universe. And likewise, give a brutal, violent backstory to everything that was silly and cuddly uh, in the Star Wars universe. Well, in defense of this, that when he took out the swoop bike gang, went from Slave One, I don't yeah. know what they called the ship Slave One. That was cool. I'm like, that's cool. <laughs> like, well, yeah. That's ruthless. I think that's, but that's the thing though, is that it's like, it, it kind of swings between this, this weird, like, I, I don't have a, 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 a beat on what kind of man Boba Fett is now four episodes into this. Like, because we do see this, this guy who is like on one hand very much seems to be this almost pacifist reformed, uh, uh, man who has seen a different side of life post this traumatic experience. Uh, or is he the guy that just guns down a bunch of bikers with his spaceship? It's like, I, I don't, I don't quite know. I and 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 maybe we get more of it. Maybe it's more of a slow burn. But but I I, I don't. I, I think that, that there are there are things that I would I would like to know these characters a little bit more. And I was, would yeah yeah. And like you know, do are there going to be scenes like flashback when like you know he's on the Death Star and he turns to IG eighty eight. Yeah, you know I've been doing this online business management school and I have some ideas. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I want him to s just spoon the rancor. <laughs> we may get that. I, I mean, we know we're, we, we've got Chekhov's rancor. We know where this is leading up to. Yeah. I also, I'm all for it. Yeah. I didn't, I don't know. This is like one of those things where it's like, they make him like rancors are the most beautifully uh, amazing pets ever. Like, yes, they m brutally murder people like the only thing you knew of them, but what you didn't know is that <laughs> that guy that was screaming in pain because 
the Rancor died in the movie, he really had a deep relationship with this creature. He wasn't just a weird, deranged person that was really cool. You should look back on that memory and feel bad about the fact that you laughed at that guy screaming. Yeah. I'm enjoying it, though. Here's I, Danny Trejo. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, I'm glad that it's in my life. I, I do like that. I, I like that flavor of Star Wars. Uh, I, I enjoy Western Star Wars, man. I really don't like it. I'm just having the worst time with it. It is every nightmare of a of trying to watch a spin-off show for a franchise you don't follow <laughs> come true. So Yeah, I had you respectfully. know respectfully. Respectfully. <laughs> Falcon Winter Soldier was like that for me, and then um there gosh, and then what and Loki just started driving me nuts. You know, that was a thing too, where it was oh, that was a cool premise, and then I'm like this is just, I'm a bit more, bit, bit more engaged into this. Mm. Cool. Moon Knight looks cool. Moon Knight looks cool. Yeah. Oscar Isaac. We're at wacky British accent. Where are we at on that accent? Oi. Uh, I, I still have not seen oh, the trailer. Just, uh, my, I have to, I have to watch done, it. I don't know what is real. In I'm the Moon Knight. The opposite of Sunday. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> Taking my line. Gentlemen, it's been weird. The Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program.